ओनो मित्र वरुण शोत्म शन्द्र बृहस्पति शो विष्णुक्रम नमो ब्रह्मणे नमस्ते वायमे प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्मसी प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्म वदिष्यातम वदिष्यामे सत्यम वदिष्यामे तन्मावधु तद्वक्तावधु अवतु वक्ता ओ शाशाशाशा ओ सहनावधु सहनौ भुन सह वीकवाहै तेजस्वीनावधीतमस्तुम विषावै ओ शाशाशाशा विश्वरूप छंदोभ्योध्यमृतासंबूव समेन्द्र मेधयाणारण भूयास शरीर मे विचर्षण जिह्वा मे मधुमत्तमा कर्णाभ्यां भूरी विश्रुव ब्रह्मण कोशोसी मेधया पीद श्रुत मे गोपाय ओ अहम वृक्षरेवा कीर्ति पृष्ठंगिरेव ऊर्धपवित्रोवाजिनी वस्वृतमस्मे द्रविण गुंसवर्चस सुमेधा अमृत क्षिदेत्रिशंखोर्वेदाचनम शाशाशाशा पूर्णमद पूर्णमीद पूर्णमुदच्यते पूर्ण से पूर्णमादा पूर्णमेवशिष्य ओ शाशाशाशा आलयंकुणालय नमा भगवत्दोकशंक शंकर शंकराचार्य केशव बादरायण सूत्रभाष्यौ वंदे पुन ईश्वरो गुरुरात्मे मूर्तिद विभागिने व्योमद्याप्तहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अवांग मनसगोचरम अवांग मनसगोचरम आत्मखिलाधारम आत्मखिलाधारम आश्रय भीष्ट सिद्ध आश्रय भीष्ट सिद्ध अर्थतोप्यनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदनंदन
गुरुनाराध्य वेदांत गुरुनाराध्य वेदांत सारम वक्ष्ये यथामदे सारम वक्ष्ये यथामदे we are in the process of discussing the adhyarupa the superimposition that is made by various people upon the self and how because of that different people come to different conclusions and the teacher here presented a whole series of these conclusions opinions the notions adiprakrutaha starting from the the highly deluded one who takes the very son or someone that belongs to him someone related someone very dear that itself that it is taken to be the self this is the grossest concept of the self is to look upon someone else as your own self so attached the person is to the child that the child is taken to be the self <coughs> the next one says no the body is the self so that which is the which is very dear to me Uh, that is the self or that which is conscious is the self so we know this that self is conscious being self is extremely dear to me it is the locus of all my love and affection so in the case of the earlier one the child is the locus of all the love and affection therefore he says the child is the self to the second person the body is the locus of all the love and affection and body is conscious and therefore body is taken to be the self <coughs> one little better than him says no the sense organs are the self the organs of perception they are the self organs of action they are the self because they are conscious being if these sense organs were not there this body could not perform its functions just as in in the dream for example when these sense organs are not in operation that time the body does not perform any functions that the body enjoys the consciousness or sentiency is not because of itself but is on account of the sense organs and therefore sense organs should properly be called the self yet another one another one gets up and says no it is not the sense organs it is the prana the vital energy that should be considered by self because even the sense organs like the organs of perception and the organs of action they also gain their sentiency their energy from prana from the vital air and therefore it is prana or the vital air should properly be considered to be the self because what keeps this body alive only when the, as long as the prana is there life force is there so long the body is alive when the life force is not there in the body then the body is not alive and when the life force departs from this body even though the sense organs appear to be intact they don't do anything that shows that the sentiency that they enjoy is not on account of themselves but on account of the life force and therefore they look upon the life force as is the very self yet other school says no even the prana what we call the active energy the life force that we have also is not independent that that also receives its command from another factor called the mind it is a mind directs it is a mind that directs the organs of action and organs of perception to perform various functions it is the mind that directs the prana or the vital air or the life force to perform various actions and therefore it is not the prana and this prana or what we call the life force is nothing but the modification of air it is inert inert thing cannot really be the self prana that that vital force like the breathing the respiration this respiratory system can as well be compared to the bellows like the lungs are like the bellows and therefore someone is required to operate this bellows and then alone the air movement is possible so what you call the life force of the vital energy is not much different from the movement of air in this body and then there is another factor that is responsible for that and so they say it is a mind that directs the functions of the prana or the vital force and therefore that should be called the self someone says no even the mind also is governed by another faculty called the intellect is intellect the thinking faculty the deciding faculty the asserting faculty that even directs the mind to perform the various functions it even directs the mind to make various judgment i mean you know to perform various actions based on the judgments or the conclusions or the decisions arrived at by the intellect and therefore 
the buddhi or the intellect should properly be considered with the self. <coughs> Yet other people say, no, look in the deep sleep, even the buddhi or the intellect also is not there. When you are fast asleep, then even the mind, not only the mind is not there, intellect, the deciding, judging faculty also is not there. And therefore, self is there which must consistently be there. And buddhi or the intellect is not there in the deep sleep, therefore it cannot be called the self. So the experience of deep sleep points out that there is in deep sleep an absence of everything. And therefore we say that there is, there is absence of all the knowledge, there is total ignorance. In the deep sleep there is a blanket of ignorance and therefore we say that ignorance or agnanam should properly be considered to be Atma. <coughs> Yet other people say no. It is in the deep sleep, it is not that there is purely ignorance. See how beautifully the whole thing proceeds, you know. And we are brought closer and closer to the true nature of the self. As we explained the other day, this is called Arundhati Nyaya, Sthula Arundhati Nyaya. That when the couple that is getting married are to be shown the star of Arundhati, which is a very tiny star, almost not visible to the eyes, when they are to be shown this Arundhati star, how their attention is drawn from a bright star to the less bright star to the yet less bright star and then finally to the very tiny star that is called Arundhati. So as our eyes get trained, then we are able to see the tiny star. And so also as our mind gets trained, then we are able to see this, the true nature of the self. So it depends on what our mind is trained to. If the mind is trained to just our outer possessions, then that alone will be looked upon as the self. As the mind gets trained, as the mind becomes subtler, steady, single-pointed, then it is able to see consecutively. So, this, this, this school of thought says, now, in the deep sleep, it is not that there is pure ignorance. When you wake up in the morning, you say, I slept well. I slept happily. I did not know anything. Sukhamaham aswapsam nakinchit avedisham. I slept happily. I did not know anything. Therefore in deep sleep also there are two aspects. One is, no doubt, the ignorance. Another is, there is ananda or happiness. So not only that, the happiness and ignorance are occur at the same time. But then when you wake up in the morning and say, I did not know anything in the deep sleep, that shows that in deep sleep also you are in fact aware of the absence of everything. So. This statement that I did not know anything is taken to be an experience in the deep sleep. What is the experience? Experience of the absence of everything. That the self at that time is the witness of the absence of all, of everything and therefore then also the self shines. So consciousness is there in the deep sleep also. And that has to be there. There has to be continuity of existence and continuity of consciousness. So I know when I wake up in the morning that the I who went to sleep last night is the I who woke up in the morning. It's not that a new person wakes up in the morning, the one who goes to sleep alone wakes up in the morning. That shows also that there is a continuity of existence and, and consciousness in the deep sleep also. Therefore, in fact, the deep sleep experience points out that the self has two aspects. One is the aspect that is conscious, other is the aspect that is jada or inert. And therefore, and also they quote this experience, Mamaham na janami. So, Mamaham na janami. I do not know myself. Don't we say sometimes, Mamaham na janami. I don't know myself. I don't know myself. That's a very interesting statement. So, grammatically, do not know. Who does not know? I do not know. So who is a subject there? I is a subject. In the statement, I do not know, the subject is I. What is it that you do not know? When you ask that question, then you get object. So what is it that I do not know? I do not know myself. So who is the object in the statement? Also I. So when I say I do not know myself, the subject also is I, and the object also is I, the knower also is I, and the known also is I. It seems that I is simultaneously the knower and the known. And therefore they say that this I has two parts or two aspects, the knower aspect and the known aspect. 
the knower is always the consciousness, that which is known is always inert, and therefore I or the self has these two aspects, the conscious and the inner, inert aspect. This is how they say that the self is not ignorance, self is this, the consciousness conditioned by ignorance. Agnyanopahitam chaitanyam atmaiti vadati. So, these people say that self, that self is the consciousness conditioned by ignorance. That is the self. <coughs> so, so far we came up to the passage 130. Now we continue our discussion from the passage 131, the page 75 of this book. Aparo Baudha Asadeva Ida Magra Asir Ityadishrutehe Sushuptao Sarva Abhavad Aham Sushuptao Naasam Iti Uttitasya Abhava Paramarsha Vishaya Anubhavacha Shunyam Atma Itivadati Aparo Bahudha, yet another school of Buddhism. So, first was the school of Buddhism that was pointed out which said that buddhi or the intellect is a self and as much as intellect is constantly changing it is never the same the next moment therefore the self is of the nature of momentary consciousness this is one school of buddhism kshanika sarvam kshanikam kshanikam everything is momentary and the self is momentary and whatever else we come across is nothing but the projection upon the self and thus Based on the patterns that are built into the mind, the world is constantly projected. There is no such thing as subject-object duality. All there is is one, call it self. That's why they are called subjectivists. So they don't accept an object separate from the subject. They don't accept a world separate from the knower or the witness of the world. They don't accept. So they say that what we call the object or the objective world is nothing but the same self. Same self appearing as this duality of the subject and object. It is same momentary consciousness that appears. And how do you find the world having a given configuration at a given point in time? Since that is how, because of the built-in patterns in the mind of what they call samskaras, that this kind of creation constantly goes on. <coughs> so that was one school of Buddhism and that was called Yogachara. This is another school of Buddhism that is what is referred to here known as Madhyamika. Aparo Baudha, another Baudha, known as Madhyamika school of thought. What do they say? They say that Shunyam Atma Yadi Vadati. This school says Shunyam Atma. The Atma, the self is void. That, and self means the truth. So what is the nature of truth of life? Void, nothingness. Total nothingness. It is how we interpret the word Shunya, you know, I mean, after all, you must understand that uh, the Vedantins are dismissing people and everybody dismisses everybody else. In this whole tradition, you know, uh, of the debate that is going on in India for centuries together, and that is a wonderful part of it, that every school finds, you know, every school refutes every other school. And they come up always with better arguments. So that's how the thought process has advanced so well. Since everyone has a freedom of thought, there is no structured thinking or structured religion. And that nobody is obliged to follow any pattern, you know, of, of uh, belief. Therefore, people came up with fresh outlooks. So, the Niyayikas and the Bauddhas and Mimamsakas, they keep debating for centuries together. They keep publishing books, each one refuting the other one. And that's how the literature, and in, this, in India, as we said the other day, still, that is not only the Dvaita Vedanta, but then Vishistha Dvaita, 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 and all these schools are there. And they keep on refuting each other. So, we are refuting the Shunyavadins, and we call them Shunyavadins, the people 
who says that Atma is Shunya or void. If indeed they say that, then it will be ridiculous that the truth of this life is nothing. So how do you say they, they quote this statement from Upanishad? Or we think they quote this statement from Upanishad, you know. Asadeva ilamagrasi. Now they don't believe in Upanishads. They don't accept Vedas as the authorities. But still, in order to, as we say, the devils quote the scriptures, you know. I told you the other day how the Christian missionaries in India in fact teach Upanishads, you know. Uh, Ishavasa Upanishad to, uh, to show how all the Upanishads only teach Christianity and things like that. So you can always find statements from Upanishad to, uh, uh, to convince people or to interpret the statements in such a way that, look, this is the teaching of Christ. There was a Krishna, he came after Christ. And therefore, all the, uh, you read Bhagavatam, there is a, a, a text called Bhagavatam, which describes, among other things, uh, the, the glories and the sports of Lord Krishna. And there are many similarities uh, between Lord Krishna and, and Jesus Christ. So Christians will say that this came, after, this came after Christianity and the Hindus will say the whole thing, you know, the Christ is nothing but incarnation of Krishna. There are people who would say that, you know. And so all these stories of Christ, they only resemble the stories of Krishna, so they are all taken from here. And, and anyway, this is all interesting. It doesn't matter what is what, but the, but the missionaries are very clever people, you know. And so similarly, these people also are quoting from the Upanishads. Asadeva idamagrasi or asadva idamagrasi Sistaitira Upanishad asadva idamagrasi tatovai sadajayata So what was there? All this creation, all this universe before its creation was asad or non-existent. Sat means existence and asad means non-existence. Of course depends on how you interpret the word asad. There is that particle a uh, which implies negative which is placed before the word sat and that is how you arrive at the word asat. Sat means existence or that which is existent. Asat means that which is non-existent. But if you look at the dictionary in the grammar, that particle a uh, which has, which is generally, which generally means the negation has six meanings. A uh, or the particle, that's called na. Na means the particle, the negative particle a uh, has in fact six meanings. An absence of something is one meaning. It also means opposite. It also means other. Abrahmanaha. Abrahmanaha means one is other than Brahmana. <coughs> the fellow looks like Brahmana but is not Brahmana, it's called Abrahmanaha. Meaning other than Brahmana. So that a uh, means other. Adharma. Dharma means righteousness, Adharma means non-unrighteousness, Dharma means wrong or the opposite, not the absence. Or Kalaha, Kala means proper time, Akala means improper time. So Dharma means that is improper or opposite. Alpodara, Udara means stomach. So one having a small belly is called Alpodara, you know. So that Alpa or A means small, you see, so in the sense of tiny, so A is also in the sense of Alpa, A in the sense of Virodha, A also is in the sense of other, A is in the sense of the neg- negation. So what Asat can be interpreted as absence of Sat, or as Vedantins would say, Asat means other than Sat. Asat does not mean non-existence. If Sat means existence, Asat does not mean non-existence, Asat means other than existence. That is mithya or unreal. So asat is translated as unreal or is that which is other than existence or other than real. <coughs> of course, sat and asat have other meanings also. Sat also means that which is manifest and asat means that which is unmanifest. What is manifest is the effect. What is unmanifest is a cause. So sat means the effect and asat means the cause. So these are various meanings of words sat and asat. So this statement from the, this is a statement from Chandogya Upanishad, a similar statement occurs in Taitriya Upanishad, asadva idamagrasi, all this universe before its creation was asat. What does asat mean there? Asat does not mean non-existence. We say asat means unmanifest. 
that the creation of the universe is perceptible or it becomes an object of our perception and it becomes in it comes in the realm of transaction only when it becomes manifest and before its creation the whole universe was in a state of unmanifest so asat should mean unmanifest from the unmanifest the manifest came into being which makes sense from zero or total void the whole universe came into being does not make sense and therefore nothing can be destroyed there cannot be shunyam the idea is that shunya or the void you cannot conceive of for you to say that atma or the self is void is not existence how do you say that is it possible for you to perceive the self that is non existence it is not possible for you to experience non existence in the deep sleep they say that they quote the experience of deep sleep to say that there is total non existence in deep sleep and therefore they say that sushuptaham sushuptau nasam is uthitasya so abhava paramarsha vishaya anubhavacha they say that look when a person wakes up from deep sleep then you say where were you i wasn't there in the deep sleep i was not there that's what a person says and that shows that in the deep sleep there is a total non existence nobody says that i was not there everyone says i did not know anything no one says that i was non existent in deep sleep everyone knows that i was sleeping and that while i was sleeping that i was unaware of anything that's what one says no one says that i was non existent in deep sleep but they say that if you were existent in deep sleep then how come if atma or the self is there in deep sleep then how come you are not aware of that experience of deep sleep see i am i am existent in the waking state and therefore i am aware of all the experiences of the waking state i exist in the dream state and therefore i am aware of the experiences of dream state if you say that the self or the consciousness is there in the deep sleep state also then how come you are not aware of the experiences of deep sleep tell us if consciousness is there in deep sleep then you should be aware i am sleeping and you say that in deep sleep one experiences total happiness then at that time you should be aware also that i am there and i am experiencing total happiness but i am not aware of it it is the person who wakes up in the morning who says that i slept happily but if the consciousness is there in deep sleep then in deep sleep you should be able to say that i am happy i am enjoying happiness but you are not therefore we say that in the deep sleep the self is non existent so the deep sleep experience has become an object of a lot of debate in fine we find in the upanishad discussions a lot of discussion pertaining to the experience of deep sleep even the kshanika vijnanins so the people uh, advocating momentary consciousness also quote the experience of deep sleep to justify their contention so what is it that takes place in deep sleep or what is the vedantic conclusion of the experience of deep sleep how come we have no knowledge at all of anything in deep sleep i how come i have no awareness whatever of the experience of deep sleep if i or the self is present and you say that the self is of the nature of consciousness and thus if consciousness is there existence is there in deep sleep then how come i have no knowledge at all of the experience of deep sleep there are vedantins also have to depend upon the recollection or the memory of the one who wakes up and says that i slept happily and therefore based based on that statement the person who is awake you want to establish that in deep sleep there is consciousness but if there is consciousness in deep sleep then how come i am totally unaware of anything therefore we say that in deep sleep there is no consciousness so what would you say isn't it so that in, if there is self and the consciousness is there in deep sleep that we should know everything vedantin say no there is no rule that you have to know everything or anything just because consciousness is there what we call the knowledge takes place because there are two factors not only consciousness is required for taking place of the knowledge but we also require the mind so in the waking state how various experiences take place 
various perceptions take place with organs of perception because the mind is behind a given organ of perception. If the mind is not there behind the ears or eyes or a given organ of perception, then the knowledge doesn't take place. So it is the sense organs in the mind that unit, which is what we call karana. Karana means instrument. So the sense organs are called bahya karana, the external instruments, and the mind is called antah karana, the inner instrument, and only when we have these instruments present that the experience can take place. In the waking state, the external and the inner, both the instruments are present, therefore we have the experience of the external objects. In the dream state, these external organs are not present, and therefore in dream state, we do not have the experience of the external objects. But in the dream state, the mind is very much there, and therefore in the dream we have the experience of the, the world created by the mind. What happens in deep sleep? In the deep sleep, in the mind also, mind goes to sleep completely. And therefore, the very instrument with which the various forms of knowledges are gained, that very instrument is not present in the deep sleep. And therefore, in the deep sleep, there is no specific experience. We do not say that in deep sleep there is no experience at all. We say that in deep sleep we do not have a particular or specific experience. So waking state is characterized by a series of varying or particular experiences, or particular knowledges, or particular cognitions. Like the pot knowledge, like the knowledge of class, like the book knowledge, like the table knowledge. So various objects are perceived. And thus we have the perceptual other experiences which are characterized by various names and forms. In the dream also we have various experiences based on the subtle objects. In the deep sleep we don't say that we have no experience. We don't say that we have no awareness in deep sleep. We say that we do not have awareness of anything particular. That awareness is particularized. The same awareness is particularized in the waking state by the mind and sense organs and it is particularized in the dream state also by the mind so that instrument or the medium which particularizes the awareness is not there in the deep sleep and therefore in deep sleep we do not have the experience of anything vishesha or particular in Sanskrit the words are samanya jnanam and vishesha jnanam samanya jnanam the knowledge as such without any qualification. Samanya Jnanam, unqualified knowledge. Vishesha Jnanam, qualified knowledge. So this knowledge or awareness is qualified and we require a special mechanism to qualify that. The sense organs and the mind are the mechanism because of which that awareness or knowledge is qualified and therefore in the waking and dream states we have what we call qualified knowledge. <coughs> But these mind and sense organs are not operative in the state of deep sleep and therefore we do not have qualified knowledge. And see in the West and elsewhere, when they use the word consciousness, they only mean qualified knowledge. Therefore they talk of states of consciousness. The states can be only in qualified. In Vedanta, however, when the word consciousness is used, the word consciousness is used in the sense of unqualified consciousness or unqualified intelligence or unqualified knowledge. And that unqualified consciousness, that's the nature of consciousness which is by nature unqualified. Like the crystal by nature is unqualified, meaning it is pure. And when would the crystal appear to be colored? Only when it is placed in the vicinity of a colored object, then the crystal appears to be colored. And therefore that color doesn't belong to the crystal, it belongs to something else. But that something else as though imparts its color to the crystal and therefore crystal appears to be colored. And so also consciousness by nature is unqualified. But then how come in the waking state and dream state we have experience of qualified consciousness like consciousness qualified by book and we call it book knowledge. The knowledge qualified by tree, we call it tree knowledge. So these objects which we call name and form, the book and the tree and whatever, they 
reflect into the consciousness which itself is unqualified and like colored crystal we have a final product called the qualified knowledge and we call it book knowledge tree knowledge and whatever that qualifying mechanism is absent in the deep sleep state and therefore in the deep sleep state we do not have visheshajnanam or qualified knowledge that we have no jnanam or knowledge but visheshajnanam that qualified knowledge is not there because there is nothing to qualify the knowledge when you remove everything from the crystal and the crystal doesn't have anything to color it and in a beautiful illustration that we find in the 10th chapter of panchadashi which we are referred very often to is the 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 lamp in the theater how the lamp in a theater illuminates the drama or the dance that goes on on the, on the stage and the audience and the the musicians and the viewers and all of them and that can be compared to the waking or the dream state and when the the dancer and the audience and everybody has left the theater and the theater is completely empty then also that theater lamp continues to illumine that theater at that time it illumines the absence of everything the lamp doesn't get extinguished and so also the lamp that is consciousness which is self effulgent doesn't ever get extinguished it continues to illumine whatever there is if there is nothing it continues to illumine the absence of everything and if there is something it illumines the presence of that in the waking state in the dream state we have the gross and the subtle objects respectively and therefore the consciousness or the knowledge or the awareness whatever you call it which knowledge or intelligence or consciousness or awareness or the self which by its nature is unqualified illumines whatever is present in the waking and the dream state and to then we think that it is qualified and therefore that knowledge appears to us as qualified knowledge or the consciousness appears as qualified consciousness <coughs> in the deep sleep state there is not there just as to see these objects which are present before me i require two factors one is that eyes are required and secondly we require this light and if there were no light in this room if this room was pitch dark then in spite of my eyes being open i cannot see anything i cannot even see my fingers it can be so pitch dark so when i do not see anything it can be due to two reasons one is that i have no eyes or my eyes are blind or secondly there is a light which is required to aid the eyes for it to perform the function of seeing that light is not there and therefore also the seeing does not take place and similarly also for the self to know not only we require self which is consciousness which is comparable to eyes but we also require the mind in the sense organs which is comparable to this outside light so you don't i don't see anything therefore i am blind don't say that i don't see anything you can be blind also or because there is no light because it is dark so in the deep sleep state i don't see anything does it mean that i am blind meaning that there is no consciousness there we say no it is not that there is no consciousness but then the light of mind and sense organs which is required to illumine the external objects is not there so to illumine the objects of the world we require not only a self that is consciousness but we also require the mind and sense organs and then alone the the knowledge takes place so the mind and the sense organs required to illumine the objects not being there in the deep sleep state there is no cognition or no particular knowledge no vishesha gnanam but samanya gnanam the unqualified knowledge is very much there <coughs> and therefore the vedantins argue that in the deep sleep state also the awareness of the self is very much there it shines in its own glory ever यत् स्वप्न जागर सुषुप्तम अवैति नित्यम तद् ब्रह्म निष्कलमहम न च भूतसंगह यत् स्वप्न जागर सुषुप्तम अवैति नित्यम दैट व्हिच एवर नोस एवर विटनेसेस एवर इलिमिनेट्स द ड्रीम द वेकिंग एंड द डीप स्लीप स्टेट्स दैट सेल्फ आई एम सो दिस इज द डिबेट बिटवीन द शून्यवादिन्स 
and the Vedantins. But as we said, it's a matter of how you interpret your experiences. It's also a matter of it's also a matter of how you interpret the statements of the Upanishad. Asadva Asadeva Idamagrasi, they quote this from Chandogya Upanishad. Where Uddalaga says to Shwedaketu that this universe was Asad or non-existent before its creation. That it doesn't say that. It says Tadha Eke Ahuhu Asadeva Idamagrasi Ekamevadvityam. It says. But then then Uddalaga says, Katham Somya Asataha Sajjayata. Hey Somya, oh good looking one, how is it ever possible that Sat or existence, existent creation comes from non-existence? It is not possible. So this statement quoted here is presented as Puropaksha. It's presented as Puropaksha or the view of the opponent to be refuted. And the next statement, the very next half of the statement is the refutal of this very statement in Chandogya Upanishad. But here, this is the first half is quoted. And more often than not, the statement from Taitri Upanishad is quoted, which says, Asadva idamagrasit tatovai sadajayada. That this whole universe was Asat before its creation, and from Asat, this Sat came into being. If Asat is interpreted as non-existence, then that statement would mean, from non-existence, the existence came into being. Although we say that, from the unmanifest, the manifest came into being. Aparo Baudha Asadeva Idamagrasi Rityadishudehe Sushupto Sarva Abhavad. In Sushupto, in the deep sleep, the reason is Sarva Abhavad. There is absence of everything. And then what is your experience? Aham Sushupto Naasamiti. And then Uttitasya, the one who wakes up. So Abhava Paramasha Visha Anubhavad. He says that the one, when one wakes up from the deep sleep, then there is his experience that I was not there in the deep sleep state. And so in the deep sleep there is an absence of everything. The one who wakes up also says that in the deep sleep I was not there. And the Upanishad also says that in the beginning the universe was non-existent. Based on all of this, the Shunyavadis argue that the nature of self is Shunyam. Shunyam Atma Irivadati. He is the highest one. He is the Prasama Malla. Meaning he is the, the most formidable opponent who has dismissed everybody else. So it will stated next, you know, how now this is all Adhyarupa, meaning the superimposition carried out upon the self, various notions entertain about the self. <coughs> Evam pratyagatmatvadishthanam matabhedyan upanyastam dushaitam arabhate. So all these various opinions presented of the various schools of thought, which we may say various opponents as far as the Vedantin is concerned, having presented these views, tad dushaitam arabhate. Now the teacher here proceeds to show the dushana, the defect or the, the inconsistencies or inadequacy of the various arguments that they have presented. So the next, in the next passage now, the teacher here proceeds to refute these various opinions in a very simple manner. <coughs> Says in the passage 132. Anātmatvam Uchyade Etesham of all of these Putradinam of the sun, etc. Anātmatvam Uchyade Now we are going to say or now we are going to state how all these various opinions presented started from what? Putra. Atmavai Putranamasi or Atmavai Jayate Putraha. That is myself who is born as a son. So Atiprakrataha. How the extremely deluded person takes the very son or a child, let us say, as the very self. To the most sophisticated one who takes the Shunya or the non existence as the self. Edesham of all of these, beginning from the son right up to Shunya. Anatmatva Muchade. We are now going to show how all of these are anātmā. Although the various schools of thought claim them to be the self, 
we shall show you now how all of these are anatma or non-self. How putra of the self, son, is not self. And how even shunya also is not the self. How is it so? That is being said in the passage 133. Shruti Yukti Anubhava Abhaseshu Purva Purvokta Shruti Yukti Anubhava Abhasanam Uttarottara Shruti Yukti Anubhava Abhasaihi Atmatva Badhadarshanad Putradinam Anatmatvam Spashtameva Parasparam Virudhyante Tairayamna Virudhyade Says Gaudavadacharya in Mandukya Karika Parasparam Virudhyanda, these fellows, they contradict each other, contradict one another. Tairayam Virudhyate, the Vedantin does not contradict anybody. They are enough to dismiss themselves. So each fellow dismisses everybody else and therefore you have nothing to do. And that's what is said here. That etaihi atiprakradadi vadivihi. All these vadis, vadis means all these disputants. All these fellows are disputants. Or all of these fellows are just making various arguments. So, Atiprakrutadivadvihi, all these various disputants, all these various schools of thought, beginning from those who claim the very child as a self, right up to those who claim the shunya or the non-existence of the self. <coughs> and interestingly enough, each one of them, as we said the first day, that it is necessary to present these three forms of evidences, three forms of evidences in support of any conclusion or any argument. Shruti, Yukti and Anubhava. You must show because in India, Shruti of the Vedas alone are accepted as final authority. And therefore, in order to prove a point, you must quote the scripture. You must quote an appropriate statement from the Vedas. And therefore, each one of them quoted a statement from Shruti. Yukti, then you should also present an argument or a reason. It is not only enough that you quote the statement of the Vedas, but then you must show that your conclusion is reasonable, that it is based on reason. So Yukti or the reason also should be stated. And even that is not enough. Anubhava, you should also show how your conclusion is consistent with our experience. So we experience this life. And our experiences should be explained by any school of thought. After all, the purpose of any school of thought or any philosophy is to explain life. And therefore, the opinion that you have should also be in, be consistent with our experiences. Therefore, you should show how our experiences also confirm your view, how the reason also confirms your view, and how the Upanishad also is in concurrence with your view. So, Shruti, Yukti, and Anubhava, these three must be stated. Each one of them stated that. Even the fellow who claimed the child to be the self also quoted from somewhere the statement, Atmavai Putranamasi, it is the self who is now the son. So, statements are made in different moods or in different contexts, but you can take a statement out of the context and quote it here. So, each one of them so says, Shruti Yukti Anubhava Abhaseshu. However, the Shruti Yukti Anubhava or the Upanishad the reason and the experience that all of them have quoted or presented or advocated in support of their view is abhasa. It is not the real Shruti, not the real Yukti. They are not the, you know, they are quotations from the Upanishad all right or from the Vedas all right. But that is not the purport of the Veda or not the purport of the Upanishad. When you study the statement of the Upanishads, See, in order to determine what is the purport of a given statement, there is a method of arriving at the tatparya or the purport. First is what they call purva par sambandha. 
a statement should always be analyzed with reference to what preceded it and what follows it. Because what I say at the moment has a bearing on what I said before and it should also have a bearing on what I am going to say now. Any intelligent presentation will have this. Of course, one can be so irrational or one can be, you know, meandering from one to the other or people, there are many people who talk without any consistency, it is possible. But we don't expect that from the scriptures. So we say that any scripture statement can be understood only when you analyze it in light of what is preceded and what follows. That is Purva, Apara, Samanda. And then other criteria are also there. There is a Linga, there is a six-fold criteria given. Upakrama, Upasamhara, Arthavadha, Apurvata. We, we analyze them. So how you, when you analyze the Upanishads based on this criteria, what is Upakrama, what is introduction? Upasamhara, what is the conclusion of the text? Abhyasa, what is the theme that the text keeps on repeating? Apurvata, what is the unique contribution that the text has to make which you cannot find elsewhere? Phalam, which part of these, these portion of the text is, is meaningful, meaning it yields a desirable result? Arthavadaha and Upapatti. What does the, the, the text also present some reasoning and text also presents Arthavada, meaning that generally it, it praises its theme and it affects the opposite of it. So these are the various, one or more of these linga or these evidences uh, should be present. And these evidences decide really the tatparya or the purport of a text. So when we analyze the Upanishads based on these criteria, then we find that the statement that these fellows are quoted to say that the self is body and the self is a prana and the self is a mind, that has not been the purport of the Upanishad. The Taitri Upanishad also presented a very beautiful, also made a very beautiful presentation to make the students see Upanishads are a tradition of teaching. They just do not declare the truth, but then they unfold the truth. And truth always is unfolded in, in stages as the student becomes, the mind of the student becomes trained and accordingly the unfoldment goes on. So teacher always starts from where the student is and slowly leads the true student to the, to where the student should be. And so even Taitri Upanishad also started. Savayesha Purusha Unnarasamayaha That this Atma or the Self is Unnarasamayaha is made up of the modification of food, meaning that this body is Atma, body is the Self. Then it was said, Anyontaratma Pranamaya. So, Tasmadva Etasmad Annarasamayat Anyontaratma Pranamaya. He says, No, with compared to this body, there is something that is inner and something that is different, and that is Pranamaya, that is a vital energy, and that is the Self. Because the body is conscious because of vital energy. It says, no, no, tasmadvaya tasmad pranamayat anyantaratma manumaya. Next step in the Upanishad says, even compared to this pranamaya, all this vital energy, there is another self which is inner, and that is the mind. When the student is trained to that, it says, no, anyantaratma vijnanamaya. So at every point the student is made to see this truth. We may do it in one session or in five minutes, you know, but then, in fact, the student is made to see this. Appreciate the fact that the body is a self, right. Then appreciate the fact that the body is not the self because the body is conscious, body is sentient, not because of itself, because of prana or this vital force, the life force. The student sees it, yes, that's right. By tuning himself up. And then when he sees that, then we say, look, how does even the prana or the, the life force also functions? How does even the vital force function? Does it function on account of itself or is it something else? Then we say, no, it is a mind that directs this vital force. And therefore, it is a mind that is subtler and this governing force. And therefore, mind should properly be called the self. The student sees that. Then he is made to see further. But this mind, which is a knowing, which is the percepting, perceiving faculty, 
which is a faculty that is emotional or which is impulsive or doubting and vacillating, is that in self? No. Even the doubts and the, and the various vacillations of the mind are also ultimately governed by intellect or the deciding faculty, the knowing faculty. Tasmadva etasmad manomayat anyantar atma vijnanamaya. And so, yeah, students, that's right. It is the intellect that is the self. When the student sees that intellect is the self, then the teacher says, but is it right? Is the intellect the self? What is the function of intellect? To know. What's the function of intellect? To act. So, kartrutvam, the doership, or the sense of agency is in the intellect. And the pramatrutvam, the knowership, also is in the intellect. But, is there something that even directs or prompts the intellect to gain knowledge? intellect goes around to gain various forms of knowledge for what? It wants to learn for what? So that it can do something. The knowledge, you see all the scientific investigation, discoveries, all of these are for what purpose? So that we can use them. So purpose of knowledge is to put it into practical use so that we can perform appropriate actions and we can accomplish the various ends that we are seeking in life. So even this intellect, the knowing faculty also is subservient to something else. That actions are, the knowledge is for the sake of actions, and actions are performed for the sake of results. The results are also obtained for the sake of various experiences, and the various experiences are also because one wants to experience happiness. And therefore the Upanishad points out that it is the desire for happiness, that there is one inside who is even subtler than the knower and subtler than the doer. And which is that self? That is the self. That is the self that wants to experience happiness. And therefore, that happy self is what is sought to be revealed or happy self is what is sought to be invoked all the time. So in and through all our actions and experiences, what is that we seek to invoke? We seek to invoke that happy self, which remains as though obscure or hidden on account of our various preoccupations and, and anxieties and demands and what we are seeking in and through the various efforts is to invoke that happy self. So not only there is a physical self, not only there is a vital self, not only there is a feeling self, not only there is a thinking and acting self, but there is a happy self. That is called Anandamaya. Then the student tunes up, that is right. And this tuning up is a great process. It is, how do you tune up? By discovering that this body is not self. I am different from the body. The vital is not self. The emotional faculty is not the self. The knowing and thinking faculty also is not the self. Then you see yourself as the happy, experiencing happiness. Bhokta or the enjoyer or the happy being. Then the teacher says, the self is not even happy being. Then what is it? Brahma Pucham Pratishtha. It is very happiness. Not that you are even a happy being. So you are a physical being, you are a live, alive being, you are an emotional being, you are a thinking being, you are a happy being. Each being is as though subtler and inside the outer one. That's why these are called koshas or the sheets. But when one sees oneself as a happy being, and sees the fact that happy being is the truth about myself and not the other things. Then the teacher makes him see that even the happy being also not you are. Then what are you? Happiness you are. What is even the content of the happy being? Because happy being also is qualified by happiness, is also limited. You are the happiness which is unqualified, which is free of all the limitations. Brahma Pucham Pratishtha that Brahman or the happiness or the limitlessness is even the Pratishtha is the ultimate nature of the self. And thus in Taitri Upanishad the teacher makes the student see. And therefore there is a whole process of unfolding. As you said Upanishads are a tradition of teaching. Not that merely statements of truth are made but then there is a methodology of unfoldment of the truth. And therefore if you quote a statement in between, where the teacher at one point in time says the body is a self and the mind is a self, but then he doesn't say it as an ultimate 
statement of truth, he says it only provisionally, so that the student becomes free from the present notion that the body is a self, and therefore the teacher says the mind is a self, to release the student from the earlier notion. But a new notion is created anyway. When the student now is settled in that notion, then the teacher makes him see that no, no, that is also a notion. So, intellect is a self. This is said in order to release the student from the notion that the self is a mind. No, no, happy being is a self. It's said to release the student from the notion that the knowing being is a self. And no happiness is a self. To release the student from the notion that it is some happy being or the individual is self. So there is no individuality in the self. You remove that sense of individuality from the happy being and you have happiness as a self. <coughs> so it is, this whole unfoldment is to make the student see the nature of the self. And therefore earlier statements are all, let us say, improved upon or dismissed or falsified by the following statements. So which is a statement that should be taken as a true statement or the vision of the Upanishad? Brahma Pucham Pratishtha. That is Brahma or the unqualified happiness. That is the self. Therefore the earlier statements are called Abhasa. Earlier statements of Shruti are, they are the Upanishadic statements, alright. But still the Upanishad of the Shruti does not have the purport, does not have the Tatparya. The Tatparya, even when the, the Upanishad or the teacher says, that the self is the body is the self. The what is the tatpur? The purport. Purport is to in revealing the fact that the unqualified happiness is the self is a step leading in that direction. So we have to see the purport of the tatpari of the Upanishad and not merely the letter or the word of the Upanishad. So what all the statements that were quoted by the, the opponents, all of them, they do not have tatpari and the purport in the in the literal meaning. All of them have that purport in revealing the self that is free from limitations. <coughs> Therefore, this is called Shruti Abhasa. All of these are apparent, you know, the statement of the Shruti. Apparent in the sense that where the Tatpari, the purport is not there. Shruti Abhasa. <coughs> so, fallacious citations of scriptural passages. That's all. Fallacious citations. Scriptural passages are all like. But citation is not proper. It is, it is not what the Upanishad means. And then yukti. Yukti means reasoning that the presented also is an ava. Looks very reasonable, very logical. But it's also fallacious logic because it is again dismissed by or refuted by superior logic. Logic is because you have not analyzed your experience properly. When you present a better analysis of the same experience, then the previous conclusion is, is replaced by the next one. And therefore, each following one presented a logic or reasoning which refuted or dismissed the previous reasoning. The previous reasoning is called yukti abhasa. It is fallacious yukti or fallacious reasoning because it is dismissed by a superior reasoning. Anubhava abhasa. Sometimes we do not even know how to understand your own experiences. How the experience of deep sleep is understood in different ways. And therefore, Anubhava experience is alright, but the way you interpret your experience is not alright. And thus, each following one showed how the interpretation of experience by the previous one was incomplete or was not proper. And therefore, it was shown that all the Anubhava or the experiences quoted by different people also are avas, also fallacious. So, Shruti Yukti Anubhava Abhaseshu Pura Purokta Shruti Yukti Anubhava Abhasanam even what the subsequent follows quoted also were fallacious, but then less fallacious than the previous one. And therefore, the less fallacious one dismiss the more fallacious one, and ultimately, the true one will dismiss all of them. As Swami likes to say, you know, that when you are cultivating fish in a pond, then the bigger fish eats the smaller one, and yet bigger, and is in turn being eaten by yet bigger fish. So any fish eats the smaller one, and gets eaten by a bigger fish. And ultimately, how many fishes you have left? One. The biggest one. And that the, the fisherman eats, ultimately, you know. And so here also, the Shunyavadin is the biggest fish which has consumed all the rest of them. And now we are going to consume that fellow, you know. So that is how it works. That is also called Prathama Malanyaya. Prathama Malanyaya means always uh, opposing the, the 
the the champion. So the heavyweight, world heavyweight champion. So when now the world heavyweight champion only has to contest with one fellow who dismisses everybody else and he doesn't have to go and fight with every small fellow. And similarly also we dismiss the Shunyavadi because he has in turn dismissed everybody else. So Puro Purvokta Uttarottara Shruti Yuktyan Bhavasahi Atmatva Bhadadashanat We found that every previous citation in the scripture every previous reasoning that is presented and every previous reason the interpretation of experience was refuted by the following one and therefore it has already been shown by this very presentation of the matter in this manner how the opinion of the some people the child and the body etc is the self that opinion is wrong so putradhinam anatmatvam spashtam it is very clear that this opinion child right up to shunya all of them are anātmā, the non-self, spashtameva, it is already very clear. <coughs> okay. Om Pūrṇamadav Pūrṇamidam Pūrṇat Pūrṇamudachyate Pūrṇasya Pūrṇamadāya Pūrṇameva Vashishyate Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavantav Punaf Punaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmeri Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyomavadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Hari Om